It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. But here's the thing, though. I also think there's a level of respect that your teammates should have for you. And when I look, I looked at games last year, and I look at certain moments where he's coming out the sideline, and that defensive players, you know, getting at the rust. KJ Hamler slamming that helmet down. Listen, that. You understand, that's a rule that I was always taught. You don't ever show your cut up like that, ever. And to see that, that told me a lot, uh, everything I needed to know. I remember playing with Matt Ryan, right? And I don't mean to call you out, Matt, but there were times at the games. (laughs) Here I go, calling you out, Matt. (laughs) There were times at the games where we're on the back of the plane or back on the bus. Matt Ryan back there having a beer with us, kicking it with the the dudes. Mm. Now, do you think Russ is doing that with his teammates? No, that's the question. Right. Can a quarterback be a quarterback if he if he views himself as a CEO? Harry Douglas still avoiding a keep to leave on with uh, Greeny on Get Up talking about Russ Wilson. Can he have a beer with the rest of the guys? Mac with Nate Jackson, KJ, Drew, the whole crew. Can Russ have a beer with one of those guys again? Has Russ ever had a beer? I don't know. Probably not. Does it matter? Well, if you ask if you can have a beer with the guys, of course it matters. Well, it's, it's about beer specific or metaphorical. I mean, you know, what what's the metaphorical? Having a beer with the guys just means can you hang out and relate to the guys? You don't literally have to have a beer. Sometimes you do, though. I, I don't it's hold like, that against dudes that want to go out and hang out. And no, I don't. I don't, I don't if they don't want to have a beer, it's not like, hey, you know, drink. There is an undeniable part of like I'm just kidding. You, you go out and you party together sometimes you have a party maybe it's once a year maybe it's twice maybe it's every weekend if you're one of the single guys and it's after the game or whatever but there is an element of the way that you hang out and the way that you come together off the out of, outside of the facility is together going out and having a few now there's a balance that's required to be a professional athlete guys who beca- be, uh, that becomes a problem for them they don't last long and uh, certainly there is there are some for whom it does become a problem, right? Um, but how do you get to know your friends and your teammates and stuff outside of the facility? So that's what they're really saying. Exactly. The if, if, you never, if, like, you, if you never see them outside of the can facility. Can you be one of the guys? Right. Can, can you, you know, I don't know if you even have to be outside the facility. I think there's plenty of things you could do actually inside of the facility, too. Like what? You know, I call it the art of the linger. So when I was... <laughs> When I was write that book. when I was coaching a lot of uh, youth sports, specifically baseball, one of the things that I learned really meant a lot is you have a practice, mm-hmm. but then you have your after practice time, and then you have your linger time where you just kind of hang out, and then that's where you catch up on a lot of conversations and build relationships and talk to whether it's the kids or the parents or whatever. And I learned that from an unbelievable soccer coach I had back in high school, Chuck Holman. And we used to have the art of the linger all the time. It probably brought us together as a team more so than, you know, having a kegger out at the hole in Ipswich. That's right. We had a place called the hole. It was out in the middle of the woods. It was just a big hole. We would just drive our cars there. You know, but I mean, you know, that's... What happened at the hole? That's where the kids got the beer and you sat there in the middle of the woods fighting off mosquitoes. You know, putting back the Schlitz or whatever they were drinking back then. But I wasn't that guy. In high school, I was like Mr. Pure Ed, Students Against Drunk. I was like, I was a super duper straight edge dude. So I did not connect with my t- friends and teammates that were doing all sorts of wild and crazy things back then. Did that affect you guys on the field? No, I didn't think so at all because we were able to bond over other things, yeah, you know. Yeah. But 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 you've got to be able to bond over something. Yeah. There's got to be other moments that draw you together, I think. 
I think at the end of the day, do you believe that this guy can... Did the Chiefs last night think that Patrick Mahomes was going to take them down the field for that winning field goal last night? Everyone did. Everybody did. I did. I was shocked it didn't happen. Andy Reid, why didn't he punt with the two-minute warning and three timeouts? Fourth and 25. What was that play? I, I, I didn't understand that. What is Andy Reid saying about his defense right then and there? There must be some interesting moments in, in, in that building today and, uh, you know, come next week about how he feels about the defense. Yeah. I want, I want to mention something about the linger, though, because, yeah. because Matt Stafford's wife, had a, has a podcast. You remember that? Yeah. Right? It yeah, came yeah, out yeah. recently that yeah. Matt Stafford's having a hard time connecting with the guys because as soon as they step into the locker room, everyone's head down on their phone. The guys aren't even lingering. Mm. So how does Russell connect with, a, you know, 22, 23, 24-year-old kids who the minute they get in the locker room, boom, the phones are up and they're dialed into it? That's a great question. You I'm know not, what I'm saying? Like, I'm not even, sure. Like a guy who may even have social anxiety to begin with, who might be a little socially awkward, because sometimes, you know, the cliches and the and, I, and all the pots burning can, be, uh, can mask some deeper insecurities. I'm not trying to get inside of his head, but I played with an insecure quarterback before who was poorly socialized and didn't know how to talk to guys, but... It didn't mean he was a bad guy. You got to drop a name? It didn't mean he was a bad guy. You got to drop a name? It didn't mean he was a bad guy. All right. What else about Cutler? (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he had a hard time connecting with people. Yeah. But the time that he could was when we were out downtown at Spill at 1 in the morning. He felt more comfortable in that situation. He was loosened up a little bit, right? Mm. So so sometimes what we take for being uh, a jerk or standoffish or thinking you're too cool or looking down on someone is actually really someone feeling awkward and not knowing how to connect with people. I would I would advocate the art of the linger then. I would just not yeah. be in a rush. Yeah. Whatever you're doing that particular day, don't be in a rush. Sean Payton likes the linger. He if, does. In, does the Seth Wick, in the Seth Wickersham article on yeah. ESPN, that last year he spent with Fox, everyone went home and he was just hanging out and people were like, you can go home now, Sean. And he's like, I don't have anywhere to go. It was a little sad almost. And he's like, he's, he's, he's like got the broom. He's sweeping up and, mm-hmm. you know, rolling up the cords and helping. The... Yep. You, you guys need any, look, listen, you're going to want to roll that up. I, I've learned there's a technique with the, the broom relative to sweeping. If Coach, I got it. Uh, I get it. I, I, I sweep up every, here every night. Whoa. Uh, all right. But the corners. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Or some of your favorite parts. Let me give you the Jerry Judy news real quick because I yep, tease that yep, going yep. into it. Jerry Judy is listed as questionable for Sunday's game. We've got the uh, handy damn piece of paper. You know, a piece of paper. They make those still? Uh, Jerry Judy questionable. Riley Moss questionable. Everybody else is good to go. And Chandler Jones is out because that story is bananas. Yeah. So um, no Chandler Jones. Jerry Judy. It's questionable. So, um, real quick though, don't 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 expect him to play. No, and and I and I I don't think he should personally. Yeah, but only two guys on the injury report. One of them might play. One of them had an ab thing that that actually required a surgery last year in the opening game. The injury report was pretty long. I guess, but look who we've already lost, and we don't have. We don't yeah, have. Baron. I guess it's, we it's don't better. have. Yeah, but we don't have Baron Browning. You don't have KJ Hamler. You don't have Tim Patrick. I mean, we've already lost a bunch of guys. So I get it. The injury, KJ Hamler has a heart condition. Yeah, yeah. But these, what, KJ Hamler wasn't going to be on the team this year? Baron Browning wasn't going to be on the team? Tim KJ Patrick? Hamler probably wouldn't have made it. You don't think so? No. Oh, man. Well, I, maybe considering, you well, know, Tim Patrick's injury. But but also, 
Marvin Mims and K.J. Hamler are the same player. That's the same skill set. They're not going to both be on the team. You drafted this guy in the second round. You traded up to isn't, draft Marvin Mims. Is Jalen Virgil and Mims? So you think no, Jaylen, they're not the same. They're not? No, Jalen's a little bigger, a little more straight line, a little more physical, um, okay. can play more special teams. I'm just looking at speed being speed. But he's out too. Okay, who are the receivers for the Broncos going into this game? Brandon Johnson. Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims. There you go. Boom. And they're going to bring somebody else up, and it's going to be absolutely fine. Because there's young players who you don't know how good they're going to be until you give them a chance. Marcus Colston, right, a seventh-round pick or whatever he was in New Orleans, became a staple of Sean Payton's offense. And nobody would have thought anything. I'm not even arguing with you because they're going to throw the receivers like seven to ten times. Uh, no, uh, the running back. Sorry, okay. sorry. They're going to throw the running back seven to ten times. They're going to throw the tight ends eight or nine times. So you're going to see, I'd say, 15 passes go to tight ends and uh, running backs. That would probably give you, so that's 15, probably gives you 20 passes to the receivers, period. And you can get 20 passes to three receivers just fine. So 35 attempts? I think so. But uh, because because you're going to get maybe seven or eight of them that are, again, like it's, it's just right there. Yeah. There's nothing complicated about it. It's just it's a virtual handoff, but of course it counts as a pass. And that's, by the way, every team does it. No problems. Yeah. So but that's why like, Russ is probably going to yeah. go, how about this, 27 for 35 mm-hmm. for like 240 yards, not a ton, based on 27 receptions, but solid, with two touchdowns and no picks. It's going to be sacked maybe twice. Twice? Twice. 55 times last year in 15 games. Well, you don't think that's lost on anybody? And you think it's only going to be two sacks for Russell? Yes. That I would, I would be willing to bet it'd be more. We are we are we coffee coffee? Is that, Do you like coffee? Is that Do you like lots of is that lots of coffee? Is that, is that where we're going? Fine by me. Um, Russell, he he likes to get sad. You know, I, I want my know. coffee quick. You got to door dash it over to my house if uh, if if that's wrong, and I'll do the same to you. Do you like? Do you drink a lot of coffee? I, I drink a cup in the morning. It gets me going in the morning. I'm a little bit addicted to one. Yeah. in the morning with yeah, breakfast. Same. It's a one. It's a one. Well, I do have an iced coffee here. That counts too, and I might go get one here in five minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> but you guys got to get what's too late? What's too late to drink a coffee? Uh, uh, get an espresso after a dinner, a, a nice meal, and a tiramisu and an espresso if you're in an Italian joint. If I'm out and I'm out, sure. What if you're in Italy? Yeah, but it's probably going to be an Irish coffee because let's face it. You're Irish. Mm. Sean Payton in the Wickersham article. What else stood out to you? Just kind of, um, well, there was a lot of stuff. So uh, one thing I found pretty interesting was that in the middle of training camp, this, just a couple weeks ago, he d- did a deep dive into every touchdown ever scored in the time he was in New Orleans. Yes. 807 of them. He watched every single one of them. And by the way, that was the most in the NFL during that time, during that 16-year stretch. But that's where his head is right now, trying to recapture that and clearly, you know, not seeing it out here and how do I get there. And also after the joint practice with the Rams, you know, Seth Wickersham sitting next to him, they're watching it on film, and he's like, "Ah, guys, they're moping around. They're not getting excited about it. How do I coach that out of them? How do you do it? That's That's a great question. It is is a good question. you, You win. You show that your game plan worked. But how do you create... I love this question. How do you create that desire to win from a core group that's never won? Yeah. And that's where you get into, I would call it the Justin Simmons syndrome, where you have high-quality players that don't know how to win or haven't won. I won't say don't know how. Justin Simmons syndrome 
players that are high quality that haven't won. Brandon Marshall, the receiver, would sort of fit into that. Never it's played a, in a playoff. It's a weird, really weird situation. But the Broncos have a bunch of guys like that. Justin stands out the most because he's been there the longest in this same sort of situation. I mean, for Justin to play seven years and not make the playoffs is insane. For Brandon Marshall to play, what did B. Marsh play? 14, 15, something like that? Yep. And never play in a playoff game? That's incredible. B. Marsh is like possibly a first ballot, not first ballot, but a Hall of Famer. His numbers will suggest it. It's crazy. And when you look back on his potential and talent, and some of it's marred just by some behavior that he's been very honest and open with in terms of mental health and dealing with things. And I really respect Brandon for doing that. I think that's awesome. I just think that is bizarrely unlucky. Yeah. You know, especially like at the end of your career, because usually at the end of the career, you can, you know, you can choose to probably make a little bit less money, Nate, and you just bump into a better team, you know, and, and, and listen, seven teams make the playoffs, Nate, you know, out of, out of 16. I mean, you got a good shot every year just uh, getting in at some point. How many times were you in the playoffs in your six years in the NFL? Three. <laughs> right. The first three. Right. Pretty so, good, right? Yeah, and I was going to mention it because, like, so the idea that Sean Payton's trying to teach these guys how to win, right, and to create a culture change that makes them expect to win, that gets them more excited, that they don't mope and dwell on mistakes, they move to the next play, they're, you know, that whole thing. Like, I got here in 2003, August, middle of August. This team was three years removed from back-to-back Super Bowls. They had a lot of veterans in the in the room that knew how to win. The routine was tried and true. Mike Shanahan de- had it down it was a science. Each minute of the day was a count. Each moment of preparation, you do this, we will win. And then my first week, and you know, in two weeks, I make the team. We're on the pra- I'm on the practice squad, and I'm practicing all week. Mm-hmm. You do this, we will win. Yes, we won the first game. So when you go through this practice routine, here's the structure of the week. You do everything I say, it's going to work out. And then it works. You start believing it. Oh, my gosh. And then it worked the next week. And then it works the next week. Right. And then every once in a while, it doesn't. Okay, why didn't it work? We go back to the drawing board. We figure out what we did wrong. But we are not straying from our formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still believe in it because it continues to work. It was easy for me and young players to fall into that. How do you make? How do you create that when you don't have anyone to show that example? I think the first thing you try to do is bring in as many of your guys as yeah. humanly possible. And yeah. that's why the Broncos win so big, in my opinion, in free agency. They bring in Zach Allen, who is connected to VJ. Okay, great. They bring in McGlinchey. They... They just invested a lot of money in free agency. The problem with that, of course, is that you're 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 not you don't have draft picks. They only had five draft picks, so it's another year where you're not developing depth. So you better hope that the guys that you're spending all this money on, well, they got to work out for you. They they gotta because you just don't have the level of talent behind them. Now you will eventually because theoretically you'll get back draft picks and. You'll just accumulate things. But look what they spent the draft picks on. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. I mean, yet you got Sean Payton because you got a first-rounder for Bradley Chubb. And you used it on Sean Payton. But then you look at the 49ers, who gave up three first-round picks to get Trey Lance, and they dealt him. And they're all right. They're still one of the best teams in the NFL. They made their own luck because they. you should always try to develop a quarterback, whether it's an undrafted guy or a late-round guy. I firmly believe that. 
And if that guy's really not developing after a year or two, just start all over and, and try it again. Wait, so you're saying develop a late-round guy? I thought you said you can't do that because you don't give him enough time to do it. Like You can try. You can. You should always have one in the crock pot, you know, sitting over there. And if it doesn't work, you throw another one in there and you see what happens. But you don't, you don't not give it a like? shot. What does that look like? you got to get so lucky for that to work. You gotta get no, but so how do lucky. You, like, what does it look like on a daily basis to have a guy in a crock pot? Like, what do you mean by that? He's just sort is of. Is this guy getting reps? Is he like, you know, in another building somewhere? He's up on to practice. Wires? He's on practice. <laughs> well, I'm not against like virtual reality sort of development and, and using whatever you can. I don't know, but no, he's. <laughs> it's, it's. But Nate, that's my point. It, it's because you he's just not, gotta give him reps, right? Is that what you mean? You do the best you can with it. Yeah. You know, you try. I mean, you definitely. You want to talk about something that I think would benefit the NFL is some form of Tuesday night, I don't even know, seven-on-seven seven something. I mean, something where you're developing guys in a safe way to try to get reps. I I, I'm, I'm, I don't have that fleshed out, obviously. Tuesday night, seven-on-seven. Seven. Well, I don't know. ESPN Ocho. I'm up for suggestions. But but I, what I think you really do, here's what you really do. They have that in NFL Europe, and it was a good one. Is that a good idea? Well, it was a great idea. Okay, well, there I mean, you go. you got the USFL, XFL, whatever. They're not affiliated with the NFL. Here's what they really have to do, Nate. They have to. Think about this idea. Because preseason games mean nothing right now. They mean nothing. Expand the roster to 55 and require all teams to have three quarterbacks on the active roster game day. Period. You're going to increase jobs Throughout the league, if you want to keep a fourth guy on practice squad, fine. So now you don't need 16 guys on practice squad, just 15. But I'm, I'm developing more jobs. And frankly, I don't get the whole, like, 45 guys active on game day. I think you could have more guys active. I don't understand it either. Does anyone know why it's just not the whole team? No why can't we? Why can't we just do 53? I have uh, no idea. Because you don't I, make more money. The money's still the same. Now, there's a performance bonus based on the number of snaps you're in. That's calculated at the end of the season versus your salary. And, like, the lower amount your salary is, the more you make per snap. So it's supposed to even it out and reward the guys who are, like, undrafted or late-round picks who end up playing a lot. But other than that, like... There's no financial kind of reason. At the end of the day, if you required 55 and required every team to carry three quarterbacks, because that was embarrassing last year. It was. In the NFC Championship game. We should never have that. That was humiliating what was going on with the Broncos and the Saints during COVID. I mean, you've got to require certain things to make sure your product doesn't suffer, period, because it's the entire brand of the NFL. And I think a 55th spot would be for... Some sort of specialist, one way or the other, who doesn't fit in a lot of other categories. So maybe it's special teams, maybe it's defense, maybe it's offense. Like that spot to me would be like that's where Alberto would sort of fit into something. Like there's not really another solid place, but he's an interesting player. So you he you've, makes you've, the game better for your team. You're adding a roster spot so you could keep Alberto. Two roster spots for a quarterback and <laughs> no, a specialist. I got that one, but, but no, I was have, wondering why you went to 55 because the 54 would make sense if you want to add a quarterback. I think there's room because you have three specialists already I would make I would make another spot for another specialist because you have snapper kicker punter I would just throw in one more wild card specialist that just does something cool that's all what does Alberto do that's cool catch touchdown passes he had some chances here he I got to catch watch the Philadelphia Eagles what what's gonna break here is when when Alberto catches his six touchdown passes he doesn't have very good hands okay well we're about to see we're about to see we'll see 
But we got we got a team, the Philadelphia Eagles, that was willing to do a trade for Alberto. Right. They didn't want it to get to the waiver wire. I think that for them, they're taking a flyer on Alberto because they saw that's where they were deficient last year in the Super Bowl. They're trying to get over the hump. I would start the NFL season too the weekend before Labor Day, and then man have a bye week so college football could have it, so you could just sort everything out on your team because we go into this first week with nobody really playing preseason, and you really have no idea what's going on. It does make the games in week one and two. Pretty damn interesting. But I would expand it to 18 weeks and push the Super Bowl back to President's Day weekend because I'd want more days off so you don't have that stupid Sunday-Thursday thing, which I think is bad for the health of the players. So in my world, you don't even have preseason games, period. You have stadium scrimmage and joint practice events. And you have one on the road and you have one at home. Nate, let's face it. They're not taking these things seriously anyways. And you see what Sean McVay's done with it over the years. Don't tell me the Rams cared about that game. They didn't. You know what they cared about? Wednesday practice. They did. And Sean Payton, Sean Payton sat in his room complaining about it to Wickersham because his team didn't respond, Nate. They didn't respond to the moment that really mattered. Not the 41 nothing blowout. That was irrelevant. What mattered was where's the jump? Where's our excitement? Where's the finish? Where's our fire on Wednesday when the Rams are here? And where was it, Nate? And that's why Sean Payton was wondering, how do I get these guys to feel like they can win? And that's why he lit those candles. That's why you light the candles, baby. And turn on the salt lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, man, I I do think that game mattered, though. The 41-0. Well, it mattered eventually to the Broncos because they were so poor. I think it also mattered to the Rams. They couldn't put up a single point. They didn't care. Of course they did. It's irrelevance. They got every player out there was playing for his job. Of course they cared. They because got what they needed on Wednesday and Thursday. They did. They got what they needed. Listen, if if they McVeigh doesn't care about the preseason games, but he did care about that Wednesday and that Thursday practice. Nate, you got to tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why the Broncos will have more desire than the Raiders on Sunday. Mm. Why? Why will they care more about winning that game on Sunday than the Raiders will care about winning that game? Let's get to that coming up next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's the drive. I don't know, man. When I, I have no problems with it. I get fired up. I want it that Tell way. me why. Tell me why. Tell me why the Broncos are going to want to want it. I just like that part. This that part. That's AJ, man. Tell me why the Broncos are going to 
wanted more than the Raiders on Sunday. Because they hate Josh McDaniels. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know Josh McDaniels. No, I'm talking about the Raiders don't like the Bridge. Oh, the Raiders. The Raiders don't like Josh. So team don't like him. Hello. He ships everybody out, man. What's it going to be, man? Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell you. Tell me why the Broncos couldn't get up for the practice, according to Seth Wickersham's article in Sean Payton. Mm. It's not us. It's not us. It's it's them. So tell me why. E. The Broncos are going to want it more than the Raiders on Sunday. You're talking about practice, man. Okay. Talking about practice. Yeah, but it's connecting with these guys and Sean Payton and that. I I know what's going to happen with Nebraska and Prime. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. We come? (laughs) Well, they can't. We can't. (laughs) 45-42. We come. Mm Mm-hmm. They were there. They, so are, they, you, are you well? Are you expecting a similar output by the Broncos? I hope so. I, I think Prime has raised the bar. Yeah, like wow. And I have a zero doubts uh, at Folsom Field, that pretty little bandbox nestled up against the foothills. That. Out comes Ralphie, and out comes a butt-stomping of the volleyball school. I have no doubts that that is going to happen on Saturday. Here's the here's the danger there with what you're saying and kind of that wisdom. The opposite was true last week at this time. You had zero doubt that TCU was probably going to stomp the Buffs. I had them winning by 12 over the Buffs. I had the Buffs covering the 20 points. but um, But, yeah, at the end of the day, and for a little bit last week, it, it felt like it was about to go in that direction after a brilliant start. It felt like, well, they're not going to lose by 20, but look, they've given up the lead and they can't stop them now and things are about to, you know, flesh themselves out. And then Shadur Sanders and uh, Edwards and Travis, I mean, wow. I mean, you can't say enough about those dudes and, and coordination-wise what they were doing offensively, and they got it together enough defensively, right? So yeah. you Well, know. you just mentioned some powerful offensive weapons. What, what, what do you think when I say Russell Wilson? What do you think when I say Cortland Sutton, PS2? All right? I think, I think Russ will have enough. I think, and, and one of the two secret weapons, I think, will be Burton, the fullback, and Troutman, the uh, tight end, that not many people know or probably are expecting much out of. Who has more catches, Troutman or Dulcich? Probably Troutman, because I think they just trust him more to be in more situations. So it would not surprise me if he gets four or five catches. Dulcich, to me, is sort of a one-trick pony right now. And I I don't know how that's going to work out. I really don't. But I think Troutman's going to be in there for 80% of the plays, and I, I couldn't tell you with Dulcich. Yeah, if Jared Judy's out, I think Dulcich will have a, a, a bigger game because some of those you know, three-receiver sets, you can turn sure. them into two tight end, two-receiver sets. You can still run the same play. No doubt about put it. Put Dulcich in there. Um, but, no, I have a question to, for you about the approach of the two coaches you're okay. talking about, Coach Prime and, and Coach Payton. Okay. Coach Prime clearly leaning into the rivalry, leaning into the expectations. Yeah. We come in, we're bringing it. 
He's not shying away from it. He's no. not creating a, a low expectation thing like we're tiptoeing into it and every game is the same. And yes, do you believe Deshaun Peyton? Peyton, Deshaun Payton need to do more of that. Does he need to lean into it to get his guys like um, a little more motivated? I don't think it would hurt. I just don't think that's who he is. I think he's more of a teacher, instructor, explainer than a motivator. I think he's a, a well-experienced, really good coach. But when I've noticed him gathering the team around for whatever they're doing, it really is just explaining things or laying things out rather than motivating. He's not a yeller and screamer on the field. Not that I've seen, at least. And in addition, it's more about... Now, this is interesting. I think it's just more about him with him than Prime about Prime. I think there's a lot of examples about Prime. Yes, he's got a certain ego and front and center with Prime, but... I think there's a lot of examples of Prime putting attention on kids and look at this kid and look at that kid and check this kid out. Whereas with Sean Payton, he wants anonymous donors. I mean, they have gone into lockdown mode over there about pumping anybody up. Aside, of course, from Sean Payton himself, who seems to be free and open with whatever attention he can garner. And the the question is, does that tactic motivate your team? I don't know. I, uh, Nate, I go into it really well, not knowing. We're, we're, we're fixing to find we out. We are fixing to find because out. Because in two days, we're going to see how this team comes out of the gate uh, at home. Planting your flag in the AFC West. Your you're first game of your tenure. That p- place is going to be packed. It's your division rival. You should be able to get up for that game. Well, here is Peyton Manning, who is on with um, Pat McAfee on McAfee's new ESPN show. Well, look, when Sean got here, he met with Russell, and um, Russell confirmed this, and Sean told me this, that kind of the first thing he asked Russell is, is Russell, can I coach you hard? Which, uh, that, that is classic Sean Payton. Bill Parcells, his mentor, coached his players hard, and Russell said, yes, absolutely you can, right? And I think that's what this is about, that Sean Payton is going to coach all his players hard, including his quarterback. Russell wants to be coached, and I think what you said is the main thing. Hey, let's go out and play football, and everything else will take care of itself. Let's take care of the quarterback position. But, look, Sean's a tough coach. He has expectations, and he wants Russell to focus on playing quarterback. Russell's going to do that. I'm excited about the Broncos. Look, it's not going to be perfect right away, Pat. It's not supposed to be. It's Russell's third system in three years. That is not easy easy for any quarterback so it won't be perfect right away I do think they'll get better throughout the season and Sean Payton knows how to find a way to grind out a win until things start kind of gelling and start clicking so I think they're in a good place I see Russell having a good year and I see Sean Payton coaching his players hard like he's supposed to okay but be prepared for a potential slow start that's what I heard and Payton's giving you a warning right it might not click all in at the same time not a must win here it's not a must win. This is the first game. It's an important game, of course. For this, like, it's an important game if your aspirations are to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, and in, in the air quotes, sure, we're trying to do that. But at the same time, shot, like, the magic season for a, a coach who's turning the culture around is the third season. Yeah. The third season yeah. is when yeah. these, you know, geniuses or whatever turn it into a Super Bowl contender. I actually asked this question. I'll throw it to you. Would you rather have in 2025, which would be the third season, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson or Dion and Shadur Sanders for the Broncos? Uh, that, I mean, that hypothetical, I have a lot of questions around it. Can yeah. I ask questions? Absolutely. Well, is, is Russell Wilson have a good 2023 and 2024? He made it to 2025, yeah. I mean, theoretically, you did what you had to do to stay on the team through 23 and 24. 
Yes, I, I would take the guys with the with, with the Super Bowl wins and and the track record, other, other than the guys who's played one game up the road. Yeah, I would go with Russell and Sean Payton. Under that scenario, I would too, because that means you've gotten through some tough times together, and you're having a certain modicum of success. And, and that's you, the third year of them. And together. The correct. And if you've made it that far, if you've made it that far, something inevitably has clicked in. But I think what what Peyton Manning's warning Broncos country here is this could be this could take a little bit of time, and I think it deserves that sort of time. The question is, can we be patient with that time? Basically? We have to be, man. We haven't been patient around here for years. It's time to sit back, let these guys work on something. Michael Malone took eight years to get there. I uh, totally agree. Why but don't we when have you read, like Nathaniel when you, Hackett hey, was done after week one? When you read that Wickersham article, did you feel that's a guy who's going to want to put time in? Or do you feel that's a guy who's looking to fill some voids in his life? This fills the void. So okay. this is where he wants to be. Other, other than that, he's out there flipping over golf carts and, you know, uh, lingering at the, bre- at the breakfast joint by himself, looking out the window, lighting candles, long walks alone on the beach. This guy needs football. Live from some sort of probably watering establishment in Golden, we'll check in with our guy Mike Kliss with the latest Broncos news coming up next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's the drive. to our guy Mike Kliss of Nine News. I don't know what's keeping Ace High Tavern uh, open today, but who knows? But straight out of the streets of Golden, we always go to uh, Mike Kliss for inside information. What did we learn this week about the Denver Broncos, Mike Kliss? The practice still pretty long. I don't know about how hard. I, did, I don't think they had uh, full pads on at any time this week. They, um, what do you have, like uh, 13 under the new CBA? I think you have 13, 14 the whole season. I'm not sure. I don't think they had a full pad, but they went long. You know, the practices were supposed to end at 2.15 every day. We got in there at 2.45, roughly, 2.40. And uh, today was supposed to end a little earlier, and it, it ended about the time it had before. So they were long. Um you know, all eyes were on Jerry Judy, and uh, he made definitely made progress today. You know, I don't I don't know Sean Payton enough to read signs. You know, like today Judy did all the individual drill, but then they kind of broke down into uh, kind of a dummy uh, seven on seven against air, and Judy was observing and kind of asking a lot of questions about. Uh, you know, the routes and the plays, uh, what was being called. So I'm not, you know, ordinarily with some coaches who you don't give much credit to for uh, being devious, uh, I would say that means he's not playing. But with Sean Payton, he kind of did it in front of us. It could mean uh, <laughs> it could mean that he's playing games with us. So I, I still think that if uh, Judy could play this weekend, but the problem is there's 16 games behind this game. And because there's 16 games behind, I, I'm still leaning toward um, him sitting out this week. All right, Mike, so if he does sit out, what's it going to look like in that wide receiver room? They got three healthy guys. Are they going to bring someone up? Are they going to just go into the game with three healthy dudes? What's mm-hmm. it going to look like? 
Yeah, you got the three on the active roster with Sutton and uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, Marvin Mims, and then uh, LaJordan Humphrey looked like he was getting some love. And uh, so I would think uh, he's a possibility. Not sure about Dorsett or Sills, who are added to the to the practice squad. But uh, I think, actually, with or without Judy, I think LaJordan Humphrey's coming up because even if you bring up Judy, you know, you better have reinforcements in case, you know, he would um, he would pull, yank that thing, you know, in the first quarter. So I think Humphrey probably comes up from the uh, practice squad. They started training camp with the Jarrett Bell piece that had multiple bombshells ripping on Goodell and ripping on Hackett and the Jets and Sean Payton even saying, hey, listen, that was a mistake. I stepped in it. And then we wrap up the preseason right before the first game of the season with Seth Wickersham sitting in the coach's office uh, sharing details about, you know, how practice went and how things are going there. What did we learn the most about Sean Payton in this whole buildup, Mike? And maybe your biggest takeaways from the Wickersham piece. Yeah, the Wickersham, if if you read the Wickersham pieces, you know, he he writes uh, an expose every six, you know, three months, four months, and usually there are bombs. I didn't think there were bombs necessarily with the uh, with this piece. Um, even the Kiss the Babies was uh, Peter King had written that uh, before. But I, I, th- the one <laughs> the one takeaway I, I, I got from the piece is, and I've said this for a long time, football coaches are not normal. <laughs> and Sean Payton is a football coach. Um, these guys, I mean, they grind tape 12 hours a day. They sit in an office. Well, I mean, what kind of what kind of uh, life is that? Uh, they 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 put in ungodly hours, and um, you know, I, I just think that they, uh, you know, they're they're a little different. They're a little different than than normal, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I just mean that uh, you know, you know, they're it, c- compared to the Jimmys and Joes that are that are out there, and maybe out at the restaurants at, on on a Friday night. Uh, those aren't necessarily football coaches, and um, yeah, he's uh, he's a different he's a different cat, but he knows how to win. That's for sure. Mike, how about Russell Wilson? How are we feeling uh, about Russell going into this matchup um, and the game plan that's going to be built around him? Is this a team, the Broncos' offense, that's going to rely heavily on the run, as we've been told, you know, or is it going a team that's going to air it out? How do you see Russell Farron in this opening game? Yeah, I think they'll try to be balanced with Russell. You know, I think Sean Payton, it was obvious. Uh, it was obvious early in camp, and then it was obvious again in the preseason game against San Francisco. Don't be shy about running and taking off and running, Russ. Uh, that's part of his skill set. That's part of the, the qualities that he has as a quarterback. I see where 34 more rushing yards, he joins Michael Vick and um, – uh, Cam Newton as the only quarterbacks in NFL history who have thrown for 40,000 yards and rushed for 5,000. And so that's who that's part of Russell's game. And Sean Payton, he talked about it when he was on Fox last year, go back and, and play a melody of his hits. Well, if you go back and play the highlights, which is what he's talking about of Russell Wilson, he's, he's scrambling a lot. He's running a lot. He's making plays on the run off script a lot. And so it's as good as I, I think 
Russell Wilson has played as well the last uh, two or three weeks as as he has in quite a while. He did finish kind of strong under Rosberg last year, by the way. Um, but I think, you know, I think he'll play well, and we'll see. They got they got a block up front, and I think they will in the running game. Um, I don't know. Um, actually, guys, I, that's <laughs> you know, there's there there you, you're you're cautiously optimistic, I guess, on Russell Wilson because. Those first 14 games that he played or 13 games that he played for the Broncos last year, those are still lodged in the back of the brains of everyone in Broncos country. And uh, like he said the other day, he's still he's, – he's got to prove it again. Well, here we go. Thank you, Mike Kliss of Nine News, our Broncos insider, who keeps the doors open at the ace right there in Golden, Colorado. But in terms of is Sean Payton – Asking Russell Wilson to be something he isn't. We'll hear from Damian Woody chiming in on that. And let's not forget, of course, about CU Nebraska. That is just absolutely gargantuan. Football at four is next.